Hey, welcome to our Public Church podcast. We hope this message blesses you today. For more information on Public Church, please see us on www.public.church. Say hello to someone that's sitting next to you, maybe that you haven't met before. And um, we just love that our church family is, um, is growing bigger and bigger every week. And uh, we love welcoming... Um, new friends into the family, and we just we just love what, what God is doing. As you can see, we've got a huge emphasis at the moment on prayer, and this is the fourth Sunday of a four-week series um, where we've been talking about fighting on your knees. Um, week one, Renee opened up with a phenomenal message ar- around if, if we humble ourselves, if only, if, if, if there's consequences, if we don't, there's consequences if we do. Week two, we had Pastor Andrew Evans here, which was absolutely phenomenal, um, an incredible general in the faith and, um, and made us all tear up, but inspired us with incredible words of, um, of hope in and around, making sure that we, if we pray without ceasing, we would see breakthroughs. And um, who was inspired by that? was absolutely outstanding. And then last week we had Doug who shared quite personal illustrations about his own life, about um, coupling praise and prayer together. But today I want to have a, a look um, in, at, if you've got your Bibles here, um, I would love for you to turn to Ephesians 4, uh, sorry, Ephesians 13, sorry, Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. And the sermon title today is Four Questions to Ask When We Pray. So let's have a look at this from Ephesians, if we've got that up on the screen. So we see, for this reason, this is the Apostle Paul. He's talking very clearly to the Ephesians church. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches that He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And He he says again, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure of the fullness of God. I want us just to park there for a while. I, I've been incredibly inspired. I love praying. I can't get enough of spending time in the presence of God. Um, there was a moment where um, really I, I, the rubber hit the road very clearly with prayer where Renee and I were getting to know one another quite well. She was my life group leader, and I was her assistant life group leader. And um, we were going on visitations together, a lot of pastoral care, meetings together where we would counsel people. But then I sort of cottoned on to something that there was something a bit fishy going on, is that when I asked all the other life group leaders, they weren't taking their assistant life group leaders with them on these personal visitations. So Renee was abusing her authority over me. And I, I was, I, I really, you know, the Lord had to bring to light her, her, the deceptions of her heart. No, I'm just joking. And so, but what happened is that Renee and I, we sort of got a bit, um, we got a bit closer to one another. And Renee asked me one day, what's going on in between us? 
And I said this ridiculous thing. I don't know what it is to this day. I said, look, anything more than friendship between you and me is sentimentality. What even does that mean? I don't know to this day. I panicked because I realized that I was feeling things for Renee, but I was so confused and so fearful about the fact that Renee had won my heart that I pushed her away. And so she thought, what a bit of a silly character Cameron is. So we sort of went our separate ways for the next six months. But then I realized that Renee was actually starting to see another gentleman. This gentleman and Renee were spending quite a bit of time together. And I didn't think really anything was going to come of it. I just thought, oh, it's just Renee's having a bit of a rebound. But then I realized that everywhere I, I was talking about this guy, he's actually a really good bloke. So I thought, I've actually got a fight on my hands. But I didn't realize what I was actually feeling is that I'm like, God, is she the one for me or not? And so I begin to pray. Mum and dad will attest to this. I would literally pray through the whole night. There was about three days where I did not sleep, where I sought the face of God. I went for prayer drives. I went for prayer walks. I got down on my knees. I spent time praying. And I was really seeking God because I was like, God, I want to know that I know that I know that I know. And I was walking in a, in a, um, in a dry riverbed um, valley. There was a, like a, a pathway through this conservation park. And I remember to this moment where I felt God come and visit me in a powerful way where I felt the Lord gave me permission. There was like a release in my spirit to say, how do you explain it? Did you hear an audible voice? No, I knew that there was a release in my spirit that I was to pursue Renee. Now, the crazy thing was, is that the Lord had His way about how I was to go about that. And I totally stuffed it up because I drove straight around to her house and knocked on the door and I said, I know the guy that you need to have. He's about six foot two. He's got, he's got auburn hair. And, um, and, he's, and I just started explaining all the things that are me. And she's like, what a jerk. Pretty much. And so it actually put me on the back foot. But what that season taught me, there were some very clear things that I felt that, that um, I learned in that season where I was seeking God to see a breakthrough, to see an intervention, to see God change a series of events, that God, that, that God wanted to change the course of our future and see a breakthrough in and around what God wanted to do through our lives. And I felt a leading to really seek Him. So my first point today is four questions to ask when we pray is what's your posture? Paul kneeled. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Now, I'm not talking about your literal physical posture. We heard Pastor Andrew said that he likes to actually walk up and down. He gets bored or he gets sore knees when he kneels. But it's a posture of humility. I love the fact that our church really right now is gripping and grasping this sense of the fact that we need to pray because who knows that we can't do anything in our own strength. We can't build the church. We can't build our lives. The Bible says if we build in, in our own strength and our own abilities, we, um, we, we, we labor in vain. But it's God who builds the church. It's not God who builds the four walls. It's not God who builds the building. It's God that builds you and I. We are His church. And so we see here that when we humble ourselves, when we humble ourselves and pray, we acknowledge something so profound yet something so simple. 
we acknowledge that, you know what, God? I need you. I can't do this. There's a blessing that comes when you put your trust and your confidence and your strength in Him. There's an automatic blessing that that is invoked that comes upon your life when you say, God, I'm at my wit's end here. Let's have a look at this. Maybe some of you are here and your life's going really fine. You're going ahead in life. You're doing well in your career. Maybe your studies are going well. And it seems like there's peace in your family and there's peace in your household. You know, that is actually, it's great that you've got the blessing and the favor of God. But that is a place, we deal with this with Bible college students all the time. They're around Christian activity. They're seeing great sermons. They're seeing great biblical teachings. And they're around other good Christians. They're seeing high-profile men and women of God come into their midst. But they become, they begin to slow down in their spiritual walk with Jesus. And they begin to rather have their personal devotional life where they're humbling themselves before God. We've got to be careful with our Bible college students that they don't get puffed up with pride and with knowledge And now they've been around church growth strategies and now they've been around New Testament survey and they're getting grounded in the Word of God. We've got to be careful they don't get puffed up with pride because when we humble ourselves, that's the sweet spot when our knees hit the floor, so to speak. We humble ourselves and say, God, I posture myself in a position that I need you to move in my life. Only you can intervene. This is what I love about that place is it's not only in desperation, God, I need a breakthrough because I need a healing, but it's also, God, I humble myself in prayer and I lay my life before you. Use my life to bring glory to your name. Use my life, use my resources. I humble myself and I want to come into alignment with your plan and your purpose for my life. When we humble ourselves in that sort of a posture, that's when we see the power of God move through our lives because now we're in symphony. Now we're in harmony. Now we're in agreement. Now we're in lockstep in walking with God because we're humbling ourselves, not just asking necessarily for stuff, but as we humble ourselves in devotion, and prayer saying, God, I need you. Something beautiful, something sweet happens in that space. Let us never, no matter how successful we are or no matter how blessed we become, let us never become too proud or too arrogant just to think that all this stuff happens by accident. It happens when we humble ourselves. Every good thing comes from God. Number two, what position are you praying from? It says here in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell. This is a prayer that he's praying. This is like me praying for you guys. So I kneel before the Father in whom every family in heaven on earth derives. I pray for you that out of the glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. Then it says, I love this so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together. That is the position that we pray from. We don't pray because the pastor says. We don't pray for any other reason, but we pray out of a position of the fact that we're grounded in the love of God. In the love of God. I've got a, I'm going to confession. I, I love church, but I've been around in full-time ministry now for 20 years. I don't want to play church. 
And sometimes we can become so professional as Christians that we can just roll in and shake hands and put on the Sunday smile and slap one another on the back. I love that this church is not like this. We're fighting for something that's so genuine, something so real. We're fighting for something that's so authentic. We're fighting for something that that is so deeply rooted in love. How do you become so grounded in this love? How do you become so grounded to the fact that when you pray, you, you can pray with a confidence knowing that you don't have to beg that you don't have to twist God's arm, that you don't have to not miss church for one week or something like that, that you've got to have all these ducks in a row and now you've got the favor of God. How do we actually have a full understanding and a full revelation that this love that surpasses, it goes on and says, it surpasses all human comprehension, all human understanding. Theologians can't write about it. We've seen the arts, the artists sort of sing about it. We've seen great, paintings and great sculptures and and that express it but it's so hard to put in words I can't even begin to like Renee's a wordsmith and 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 I, I would be I reckon she would be challenged to even be able to articulate this love that God has for us the only way that you can come to understand it the only way you can become established in it the only way you can become grounded in it. It's not by listening to more sermons. It's not to to have any other thing, but actually to have an experience and an encounter with God. To have an experience and an encounter with God. Every single time I start straying in my heart from God, I can get so caught up doing Christian activity. As I said, I've been doing this for 20 years. And God continually doesn't bring me back because he slaps me around the ear and, 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 and kicks me up the backside and says, you haven't been praying enough, you dirty, rotten scoundrel. Every single time, God's love draws me back. As you draw near to him, he draws near to you. As you draw near to him, he draws near to you. And we have to cultivate that when we pray, we come from a position where we're experiencing the presence of God. So how does that look maybe for you? For me, when I pray, I've got worship going on in the background. I spend some time softening my heart in worship. Let's get really practical here. At the moment, I'm pulling out an old school Hillsong United song. The kids are sick and tired of me having on repeat, repeat, repeat. It's the one, it's what's the one, uh, I don't know what they're ever called. You hold the universe. You hold the universe. All I need is you. The long version, not the remix, young and free version. The real one. And it's, it's as, as the, the crowd begins to build up, there's a live version of it. There's like liquid fire on those words. As, as they begin to sing, the whole crowd comes in in unison. It's not my flesh that's getting um, excited by the, the sound. It's not like heavy metal that, or, or like a romantic song. This is a, the God is on this song for me at this moment. And it's, it's connecting me to Him. Practically speaking, it's making a gateway where before I start praying and interceding, I'm getting grounded and established in God's love. So the springboard for prayer and my request, before they even begin to start, 
heart are grounded from that position, not out of begging, not feeling pressure, not because you know of all the other external things that are going on in our world, but this love that surpasses all understanding. As, you begin, as this worship begins to sing, you hold the universe. You hold every one of us. You hold the universe. It's like, God, you are in control. Oh, the confidence and the, the, the peace that comes in my heart when I know that, God, you're in control. Now I'm not praying from stress. Now I'm not praying from, a, God, I hope you're in control. Now I'm like, oh, you hold every one of us. God, I pray for my three children. God, I pray that, that you bless them. I pray that you build into them great character. I pray that you keep elevating their gifts within their lives. God, I pray that you protect them from any bad influences while they're at school. And I begin to pray from that point of view because, God, I've been grounded and rooted and established in his love, just like the Apostle Paul was praying for us, for the Ephesians church, that we would have that. Is someone getting something out of this this afternoon? Yeah, there it is. Nice clap, Joey. Let's give Joey a clap for clapping. Got to have a nice Sunday afternoon clap every now and then. Number three, how precise are your prayers? All of these start with P, which I think I nicked that off Pastor Danny Guglamucci, inspired me as a young man, always preached with P's. How precise are your prayers. Let's look at this. Paul, he begins to pray for spiritual strength and power. Just in this few passages of Scripture, he prays that the Ephesus church would grasp the magnitude of God's love. Then he prays very specifically um, that, that they would comprehend that the church, that the believers in Ephesus, would all the dimensions and the fullness that all that God has, they would have their eyes open to it. And then he goes on and says that this was all for the Lord's people, not just for the few, not just for the leaders, not just for the elders, not just for the new converts, but this would be an experience that he was praying very specifically and very directly over that group of believers that God would reveal these things to them. They were very specific prayers. God doesn't want us to pray general prayers. God, protect us from evil. God wants us to proclaim and pray bold, specific prayers. I remember we prayed for a house when we moved up here to Queensland. We rented for the first 12 months. And we're like, God, we want five bedrooms, two bathrooms, we want a swimming pool and we want two garages. And for us, that was a big stretch. We'd moved from a house with three bedrooms and one bathroom and one single carport in Adelaide. And we're like, God, we're praying and believing for this. We're very specifically. I remember I've still got it written down in my journal where I'd turn to it and pray for it. And because we were so specific, well, what did we actually land? A five-bedroom, and it was two-story. The kids wanted two-story, remember? I wasn't that phased about that because I didn't want to blow my knees out going up and down the stairs. But it's what the kids wanted, so we added that in. What, are you, what, what precisely are you praying and believing God for? We serve an almighty God. We serve a glorious God in all the riches of heaven. I love this. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with the power through His Spirit. There is some absolutely un 
unprecedented amounts of glorious riches that are so overwhelming that we don't have to be these little Christians that are just begging that God might bless us in some capacity if He so chooses to. But we can storm the gates of heaven and we can make our requests boldly known. James says, you ask not. The book of James says, you you have not because you ask not. What are you asking precisely of God for? I know I've been challenged in this last four weeks as we've come around um, this focus on prayer. Where I'm like, okay, God, I, I'm now leading a church. God, how have you taught me to pray? How can I unpack that in a way that, that, that everyone can relate to, that everyone can understand? And I really felt challenged within myself to come back and begin to pray for precise prayers. So for Renee. I'm going to put this out there. I'm praying that in Renee's lifetime that she is going to sell a million books. You say, what, what, what is that? What, that's a crazy prayer. What, what is that so that you guys make a lot of money? No. I believe that there's things. Renee, you need to listen to this because I feel like prophetically. I, I, I really feel that there are things that God has done in your life. There's battles that you've fought where no one else has looked and seen or understood or been aware of. There's things that God has has molded, shaped, fashioned that, that you haven't even begun to comprehend to pen it to paper. You might be getting in a good flow, but I just really see that there's a there's an even more amazing flow of God where you're just gonna be writing and like this is beyond me. This isn't even my stuff. This isn't I'm not getting it from this resource over here. Holy Spirit, you're on this and you're just like gushing, 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 gushing it out because what God's put in you needs to be out there to help people. I'm believing that for Michelle too. That this is the stuff that, that well, I, you know what, we want to have influence. We want to build people's lives. We want to see them become great followers and, and disciples of God. Well, do you know what? We can't just go, oh God, we just pray that Renee sells a handful of books. Lord, would you just pray that you'd meet the amount of money that 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 that, that costs to actually make the books, and that would be just a good enough of a blessing, Lord. It'd be cash flow neutral. Thank you, Jesus. And then it just influences a, a few hundred people or a few thousand. We're like, no, more. And you've got to understand me. I, I'm, I, that got birthed praying humbly before God, being established and rooted in love. I'm not going on a power surge. I'm like, that's something the Holy Spirit dropped into me. He wants to do the same for each and every one of you. Some of you aren't thinking books. Maybe God's putting that in you. Some of us at the moment, you're fighting for a marriage or you're fighting for a relationship or you're fighting for a loved one. Let's be precise about what we're exactly praying. Let's be really precise. If I could get the band to come up, that would be phenomenal. Are you praying? Point number four. Are you praying powerful prayers? Let's flip to the amplified version of verse 20 and 21. It's a lot more descriptive and I, I love its tone and, and it really emphasizes the point. Now to him... This is off the back of that first where Paul's setting a prayer in motion. He's praying for the church at Ephesus. And then he says, now to him 
who is able to carry out His purpose and do super abundantly more than we dare ask, think infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, our highest hopes, our dreams according to His power that is in work within us. To Him be the glory of the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all the generations forever and ever and ever. Are we praying powerful prayers? Are we praying powerful prayers? Prayers that are like ridiculous. Like I can't even begin to think like, I dare you to pray big prayers. I double dare you, I triple dare. And God's saying, bang, I'm going to go over, and atop, over on top of that. We've got this massive God, the creator of the universe. You hold every one of us. You hold the universe. And there we are, we're praying, God, oh, you know, Lord, I just pray, um, I just like to pay the bills this week. Now, I'm not demeaning that. Don't get me wrong. But what about changing it up a bit? What about changing it up and praying prayers of faith? What about praying, God, I've been on Struggle Street, but you own the cattle on a thousand hills. So I just pray, Lord Jesus, will you just give me one of those cows? Just one. Take it down to the butcher, carve it up there, your bills are paid and you got some, you know what I'm saying. Powerful prayers. Paul and Silas in the dungeon. In, in fetters and in chains. They're in the inner dungeon. It's the darkest. It's the most lonely. They didn't do anything wrong to even be there. They were, they were just going out and being obedient to whatever the Holy Spirit was telling them to do. And so for all of their trouble, for all of their efforts, for all of their sacrifice, for all of the, the purpose of God on their life and in pursuing the call of God, bam, what do they get? Thrown in jail. Well, at that point, probably most of us would have gone, I'm not sure if I'm up for this Jesus stuff. Now it's got me in trouble. Now I've got like a criminal record. This is going to be really hard to get a job in the future with this on my resume. Some of us would go, I think I'm checking out now. What do Paul and Silas do? They didn't just get in there and pray and just say, God, just, just comfort us in our time of need. Let us feel the inner glow, the peace. Would you take away these hunger pains? Would you take away a little bit of the pain from the lashings on my back maybe? Maybe some of us might be able to get it to there. But these guys begin to pray for the prison to be broken open, for a supernatural earthquake to rip through that place to the point where not just they were set free, but all the other captives were released. Then on top of all of that, the, the soldier that was supposed to keep guard, he was at the point where, you know what, flip, I'm going to get in trouble for all this. Well, I can't believe that, that everyone's breaking out of jail. Well, I think I'm going to end my life. And then on top of that right there, and then they stopped, them, they stopped the man from taking his own life. And then his household and himself, they all eventually ended up getting saved. A mini revival swept out the back of a tragic situation where they should have just sat there and taken their pain like good little Christian boys and suffered with, with their sufferings for Jesus. But something rose up within them that they prayed powerful prayers. 
church, I believe we're going into a time where we're going to pray some bold prayers. Some of us need employment. Some of us need jobs. Some of us need contracts. Some of us need our children coming back in a relationship with God. Some of us are praying for an outbreak of God in a university or our high schools. Let's pray powerful prayers. Prayers that God can take over or we could ask, dream, or even imagine above our highest hopes and our greatest prayers. As a young man, I came back to the Lord at 18 years of age and I, I felt like I'd blown my teenage years and I close with this story. I didn't feel like I had a good grasp on the Bible. I grew up in church. I didn't feel I was the most overly charismatic person. I definitely wasn't the funniest. I had some very funny, funny friends at, at church that were just, that they're like, could almost be stand-up comedians. But there was one thing that I felt that, that I had that gave me an edge, not in a competitive sense, but gave me an edge in the fact that I really believed that God would use me, is that I've always been a person that has sought the face of God. I've always been someone that's acknowledged my weaknesses, acknowledged my, my, my um, inabilities and said, God, what I have, I might not have much, but if I give it to you, will you bless it? If I give it to you, I don't know how many older calls I've come down the front on my knees weeping going, God, I don't feel like I've got much, but would you just use me? I'd just love to bring glory to you for your name's sake. Then I felt God challenged me about six months into coming back to Him to go up and pray in this hill called Anstey's Hill. It was known in the 80s and the 90s for like occult activity. Witches would go up there and do silly things. And it was probably just teenagers pranking, but there was, the newspapers were having a field day with it. But I just felt God say in the 90s to go up there and pray. And as I go up there and pray, I could actually see the whole of Adelaide from the south right through to the north. It'd be very similar to going up to Mount Tambourine and looking over from Eagle Heights, say, and seeing the whole of the Gold Coast. And I've walked out a 20 metre track where I'd walk one way and then I'd walk the other. In the summer, the, dry, the grass was dry as anything. It died and wilted away. In winter, literally, it was like this high. And I still had my path that I'd marched in there and I'm like pushing off caterpillars and insects as the grass is so high up around me as I'm just praying. But I could still see the city of Adelaide. I had no comprehension. I had no understanding, but I was bold enough to say, God, would you give me the city of Adelaide? God, would you give me the city of Adelaide? I wasn't a youth pastor then. In fact, I never had dreams or desires of being a youth pastor. Well, 10 years later from praying those prayers, I became the Youth Alive Director of South Australia, where I held some of the largest Christian gatherings that the city had ever seen, one of them, we had Guy Sebastian after he won Australian Idol. We packed out the biggest state netball center and over a thousand young people came down the front and gave their lives to Jesus. That tenure, while I was the Youth Alive Director in South Australia, praying prayers when I was 18, 19 years of age, now I was in my late 20s. We must have gone into over 500 schools and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. No opt-in or opt-out back then. It was like, hey, buckle in, we're gonna blast Jesus at you. And we just preached the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ at these kids and kids would get saved. 
We, we saw an outpouring of the Holy Spirit at youth camps and conferences. And God used us to be a part of different movements like Planet Shakers and Influencers that have gone on now to actually revolutionize the city as we know it. 18 years of age, praying a prayer, God, would you use me to reach the city of Adelaide? I had no idea, but while I was doing those prayers over the course of many years, God began to put a heart for revival in our nation for young people. God began to even seed this church all the way back then as I was praying and getting established and getting grounded in God's love. So we need to make sure in closing, the four questions that we ask ourselves when we pray is what's your posture? You're coming from a posture posture of humility. What position are you praying from? Point number two. Point number three, how precise are your prayers? And point number four, are you praying powerful prayers? If I could have every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here this afternoon and, and we want to give you an opportunity because our church has actually been praying for everyone to be in a relationship with Jesus. And you might be here today and you might have been around church activity. You might know Christian people, but you might even know about Jesus. But I'm asking you, have you had that encounter with Him? That is beyond words or knowledge or even human comprehension or human intellect. But you know within your heart that your heart and your soul has been ignited because you're now in a relationship with Jesus. If you haven't yet prayed a prayer and invited Jesus into your life, well, we'd love to give you an opportunity to lift your hand right now. We want to pray with you. We're not going to embarrass you or pull you out the front or anything. But if you want to pray a prayer and ask Jesus into your life, just lift up your hand nice and high so I can see it. And then you can pop it down from the left to the right. Yep. Thank you. Is there anyone else who joined my friend this afternoon? I'm going to pray a prayer. Who joined my friend? The most powerful prayer of all is the prayer of humbling yourself and acknowledging our need of Jesus, that we can't do it anymore, that we sin, we make mistakes, we stuff up. But thank goodness that Jesus first loved us and He made that move towards us. And today He's doing that again. He's moving towards you. If you're here and you want to pray a prayer, just a quick prayer, a simple prayer. If that's you, just lift up your hand nice and high so I can see it. And then you can pop it down. Is there anyone else who joined my friend this afternoon? Awesome. I know who popped their hand up. I'm going to have a chat with you afterwards and we'll have, a, we'll have a pray. Maybe God's been challenging the rest of us over these last four weeks about prayer. And um, I really feel to hone in on this point, but God's been challenging us to pray powerful prayers, to take a risk, to have a go, just to take a chance and begin to pray and believe for some crazy stuff. Stuff that's full of faith. You know, at the end of the day, the Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. So if we're going to have faith to believe for something, let's not have faith to believe for something mediocre. Let's have faith to believe for God to really intervene and do something significant and powerful in our lives to go over and above all we could ask, dare, dream, or even imagine. If God's been challenging you in that area, just lift up your hand nice and high. Yeah, many of us right across this place. Let me pray. Lord, we just thank you so much. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you care for us. 
We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've given us an example by the way you lived your life around prayer. You were continually in prayer through before every major decision, every leadership appointment, staff appointment, every single situation. You would constantly see you praying through the night, praying so much so that you were so intense at different times that you actually sweated blood as you were seeking the Father. And I just pray, Lord, as you are the ultimate example, Jesus, you are our Lord and our Saviour. And I just pray that you would infuse within each and every one of us, Lord God, that the, the love of you into our hearts and that power that you've given us to the innermost part of our lives, that we wouldn't just be going around with a head knowledge about you, but we would have an experience and a heart understanding. And as we pray, Lord God, give us the boldness and the courage to pray prayers that are so powerful that we can actually only say, God, this must be you. I had no part in this other than I boldly made my request known to you, Jesus, and you answered. So I pray, Lord God, Lord, that as we go out, even in this last seven days of prayer as a church, that we've set a new pace, we've set a new tone, we've set a new consistency in our prayer life as a church, that you would just enlarge our hearts with more of you. Let us pray according to your will. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.